0: Hello, you're tuned in to Super Art Creator Talk, episode 10. ten, ten and ten, today, ten, ten, we have Julie Loans, who is currently the director and curator of art collections and exhibitions at Union College. Julie earned her MFA from the School of the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston, with a focus on video, sculpture, and installation. And her BFA from Boston University in painting with a minor in art history. She has many years of experience working in contemporary art, not-for-profit, commercial and academic galleries. She was the executive director for the not-for-profit AIR Gallery, the first artist collective for women in the United States. Currently at Union College, she does numerous exhibitions, including Embody, which feature contemporary diasporic artists who use collage both conceptually and in some cases, literally, as a technique to construct identity. Please welcome Julie Loans. Hey, Julie, how are you doing?
1: Pretty good, Jermaine and Mark. How are you doing? <laughs> Thanks for having
0: me. Oh, thank you for, for coming on. Um, so, so, Julie, I'm going to get right into to questioning. So, I mean, you, you've worked, um, you know, not working for a university and you've worked for uh, private galleries. I mean, can you tell me what some of the big differences uh, that contrast working from a private gallery as opposed to working for a college gallery?
1: Sure, they're actually really different. So I was in the for profit world, meaning that we had to make money to um, pay the rent and things of that nature, both in Boston and New York City. Mm -hmm. Um, So when uh, the owners were selecting the artwork for the gallery, they might like a wide, swath of artists, but, um, they really needed to consider what they could sell. So,
2: um,
1: taking risks or chance, um, um, artists was, um, they did it less often, whereas in an academic gallery, you're really, um, considering the intellectual underpinnings of an exhibition. Um, and I also really think about the curriculum and how I can integrate, um, concepts that, Faculty are working with into the exhibitions so that um, departments other than the visual arts um, can be involved in what's happening and can bring classes to the exhibitions as source material for the pedagog- pedagogy and what they're teaching.
0: Wow. So yeah. All right. So you you so you're basically saying the balance between having what you would gauge to be um, somewhere that can make more money for the gallery as opposed to now and at the university, making sure that it fits within the university and their theme um, mm-hmm. as opposed to making money. Is that kind of a good summation or no?
1: I'm yeah, right. definitely. I mean, we are fortunate because we, um, we're a small um, department. Uh, mm-hmm. So we have very small funding, but it's through the through through the um college. So we don't have a museum where we have to consider that we need um to have admission. We right. we don't have a museum store where we may, um get funding. So we do other other ways of um dealing with that. So it frees up frees us up to be a little more kind of I, I call it frisky and risky. Um <laughs> well, so just, just to show um some more art artists that are uh doing uh really interesting things and not necessarily mm-hmm. things that have to fit into um the commercial um venues. So that's not to say that commercial venues don't do things that are um interesting and intellectual and relevant to um different cultures, uh but we can do it more on this academic campus, I find. So, but we also do do some. Um, we have to do funding, fundraising mm-hmm. through grants, through outside organizations. Um, we have fantastic alumni and donors who are very supportive of our of our department. So, mm, great. We have kind of like the patchwork quilt of a budget um, with <laughs> mon- money. That's what I call it. Money coming from different different places and. Um, really adds to what we can do
3: programming wise.
0: All right, that, that, yeah, that's great, but you know what? I do have much to ask you, but I'm gonna um, tag in Mark.
3: Question I think is nuts and bolts. Uh, as a director and uh, creator, um, the organization involved in putting together exhibits and art collection, uh, putting together uh, an art collection uh, is difficult. Can you explain a little bit to our audience what goes into that?
1: Well, um, so my job, there's two pieces. So we do have um, four areas that we program for exhibitions, which are changing. They change every couple months, but then we also have the permanent art collection at the college, uh, which stays with the college. It's held with the college. It's been built over many, many years because Union's very old, started in 1795. So we do have things from the beginning of Union. and it's basically you. each person that successfully has my position um, builds. And it can be from acquisitions, um, meaning that you're actually purchasing items. But it also comes from gifts from the alumni and donors that I mentioned uh, just a short time ago. Um, and it's a very eclectic collection. Um, so you have to know what, um, what your holdings are, what you have depth and, and understand how you can utilize um, the artworks and the items of material culture. And we also have scientific, historic scientific instruments, how it can be integrated into the curriculum and best use. So some pieces, about 700 plus pieces are on display across campus, um, things that have been made by former alum or former students Um, artworks that have been purchased specifically um, with different types of um, classes in mind that could be used in classes, but also the donations that I mentioned, and also our uh, former visual arts faculty and current uh, visual arts faculty. So it's kind of a um, very eclectic, as I mentioned.
3: Can you explain if you ever had a problem with space opposed to what you wanted to put out?
1: So um, I should make a distinction between exhibitions and collections. So um, exhibitions, like I mentioned, are changing. These are normally things that are on loan to the college. Um, And we have four spaces that we use. So it's the spaces are set um, and the parameters of that space is set and how we can function in it. Um, so we have the Mandeville Gallery, which is the second floor of the Knott Memorial, which is the big round structure in the center of campus, the iconic um, building. On the third floor, we have the uh, House Student Gallery, which is mainly student-specific. We also do something in our Science World building, which is a small standalone kind of kiosk space uh, mm-hmm. with no security or person. Well, we do have security. Um, but no person manning that space. Um, so it's kind of a do it yourself. Um, and we show items that are um, science and art kind of melded together. And then we do the art installation series in the library, which is right when you walk in a Schaefer library mm-hmm. in the Learning Commons. And then the other, the opposite is the art collection, which I mentioned, which is held by the college permanently. So spatially for exhibitions, we kind of have a set area, but for the collections, um, we have storage. Many, many things are in storage, similarly to say MoMA or the Met. Oftentimes um, they have less than 10% or even 5% of their permanent collection on view at any given time. Um, So when I came to Union, I thought of the, college as my as the metaphorical museum, the whole campus because there is not a museum um so I really started initiating putting artworks out um because many people didn't know there was a good collection so i had i basically brought it to where everybody was in um departments buildings and um offices senior administration offices um just just so that um I could make it visible and then subsequently um, faculty and staff started using it um, in, in the curriculum.
0: Oh, that that's really cool, Julie. So you're saying, all right, basically it sounds like what you're educating people in is that, like when you say MoMA, that their collection basically goes on tour, right? They own the collection, but it goes on tour around the world other, and on loan to other galleries. Um, and that's why they only have like five or ten percent. And it sounds like even though you're on Union College's campus, that uh, you're taking the art out of the uh, curated place, and you're and you're and you're letting it even go on tour with intra campus to different pieces, uh, different places like offices and other things that maybe wouldn't traditionally be the gallery that you talked about at um at um, the Not Memorial. Is that correct?
1: yeah absolutely that's a good way of thinking about it and we're uh, we're fortunate because we have about one-third of our collection or just under one-third of our collection um visible and on campus uh so our percentage is much higher than moment the met which i'm i'm proud about um but like i said we do have you know the other two-third is in storage and we do get those things out depending on what faculty want to utilize them in class and have hands-on experiences uh, with students seeing things such as um, we have a collection of very old uh, Asian ceramics that Professor Sherry Lolo uses and actually was just used with her and uh, Professor Andy Burkett for an independent study with a current student, Lily Christie, so she, we use these and she used them throughout her career at Union from sophomore year um, through uh, this year, uh, her senior year. Oh, nice. Did nice. that answer your question? I don't know if it did. <laughs> but we, oh, it did. I forgot, it I forgot did. one thing. Um, we do actually loan the collection um, outside of Union's um, campus. And currently we have one piece on loan to the Figge Art Museum in Iowa. And we also have a piece um, at uh, Southern New Hampshire University in a Nicole Eisenman print exhibition. So that's another thing that a collection can do. It can go outside the walls. It can really promote um, and make the college visible to a uh, different kind of constituency of people. Um, so that's another reason why a
0: uh, college or university might have a collection. Oh, that's 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 pretty cool. Um, um, I wanted to ask another follow up before, and we'll get right back to Mark. Sure. So, with your um, position and your exhibitions, it seems like you have to um, serve a, a couple of different uh, peoples or constituencies, mm-hmm. as you, as, if you yep. will, the students. The professors, but also the community. Right? There's a community uh, function and openness that the community can come in and see the exhibitions. But right now, obviously, they can't come in person. So, how do you handle those challenges? I mean, is there a way that people can still see this stuff now uh, that they can't physically go up and look?
1: Absolutely. Yes. We so our um, our visitorship is about 50 /50, 50 percent of Um, the general public public, and then 50% um, on campus, meaning faculty, students, and staff, which is a great mix. I mean, it's perfect, (laughs) It's kind of the sweet spot. Um, But right now, yes, um, as you mentioned, our galleries are closed, of course, because of COVID. Um, And what we've been doing is we've been offering um, virtual events online and all of our events are free and open to the public when we're in real life as well. So anybody can come onto campus and go to see the galleries. Um, If We have an artist on campus and doing an artist talk. They can come, sometimes we have workshops. And so what we're doing now is we're offering once a month a virtual online kind of art making activity. We've done two so far. So Jermaine, I think you were in on our um I you this past Tuesday with Stacy Robinson. It was a uh, graphic storytelling. Stacy was our art installation artist at Schaefer Library from April 2017 to September 2018. And he, he's from the Albany area. Um, and he really connected with a lot of people on Used campus, a lot of faculty. Um, so he thinks of our campus as kind of home away from home in a way. So he comes back to see us a lot and he's very kind and generous um, with how he talks about his career as a graphic artist, as a graphic novelist. Um, so it was thrilling to have him come and collaborate. So we walked through a um, kind of Drawing of a comic book figure and imagining where that figure would live, what landscape it would be in, like what the background would be. And then he translated that literally by taking a photograph of it with his iPad and then put it into a program where he translated it into a digital image. And you can see all that. It'll be up on our website shortly. Um, So if you want to see that activity and uh, try and do it, that would be awesome. He wanted to make it available to anybody who's looking for content for their kids or for themselves. Um, And I think about these events as kind of a little bit of a respite from
2: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, the wild world we're living in today and just um, a place to not have to think about the visualizations and maps of COVID and the numbers and reading the New York times. I was reading it daily. Now mm-hmm. I read it once a week uh, because <laughs> I can only take so much. There's only so much capacity for me to intake, um, the trauma that's happening today.
0: Yeah, but, that, that's for sure. That is for sure. Um, so, you know, and this is, this is great. And also too, please, uh, make sure that, um, you know, either let me, uh, either send me information or you can say it outright that uh, I'll have available for our okay. uh, listeners and viewers. <clears throat>
1: so you can find and, it.
0: and see these virtual uh, <laughs> virtual a- things.
1: Absolutely. And we have a website that has a lot of, of our different sub collections from the permanent art collection held at the college online. Mm. We're at um, union.edu backslash gallery and you'll find us It's the Mandeville gallery and permanent art collection web uh website awesome. uh, there's a lot of different things on there and the media pull down there's um former artist talks um and like I said we'll have um Stacy's event up we didn't do we didn't record the first one unfortunately with uh, Juan Hinyosa, our first our current art installation artist uh, but yeah. while we We'll be offering him again, um, offering, um, I think actually June 23rd, we're gonna do a okay. collage making with Juan. So definitely check that out. But
0: also, uh, well, well, I'll, I'll be there and I'll, I'll hopefully uh, that, um, <laughs> those that are listening will be. Um, so so Mark, did you have a, a, another question right now?
3: Yeah, well, Julie, I want to ask a little bit about artists and creators, uh, the collections. Do you ever have a push and pull in relation to uh, how something is going to be displayed or what's actually going to uh, be displayed opposed to what you can actually do in in your space?
1: Um, sure, well, I'll talk a little bit about the Mandeville Gallery, our main gallery and the art installation series, which we do on the first floor of the Schaefer Library and the, the lens that I use about how how I'm deciding on the artists because the Mandeville Gallery, it's a gallery. so somebody is actually, when a visitor shows up, they're choosing to go to the gallery. Whereas Mm -hmm. at the Schaefer Library, this isn't a gallery setting. Um, This is, you know, it's a very democratic space. It's a kind of a public space on campus. So um, anybody who walks in there, students, faculty, staff, um, the outside community, they're not choosing to see art. So my lens has to be a little bit different um, and I, I have to consider that the public that's coming in, it might not necessarily be um, understand the visual image no. as much as somebody that's choosing to go to a gallery. So I have oh. to put that into consideration. And that artist also comes onto campus um, and spends a week building the, the artwork um, in real time. Um, not right now, but... Uh, in real time a week and interact with people who, you know, come in, uh, the person can talk to students one-on-one, um, and then the people coming in can, um, see what it's like to be an artist, so demystifying the art process, really showing that, um, artists do, there is labor and work involved in creating artwork. It's not this just divine intervention and all of a sudden it's made, that there's there's um hours and hours to um, build and create something, so I have to consider um, what the images are. I'm not going to show nudes in the library, whereas I'm right. fine doing that in the gallery. Um, I want to have something bright and poppy so that it captures people's attention because, again, it's not necessarily you know a visually driven um, population that's looking at this. So something bright and bold and poppy um, mm-hmm. to capture somebody. And then if the content is really um, dense and rich and maybe even provocative, not in, not in a sexy way, but um, <laughs> or uh, you know, might be slightly risky. Once you have that carrot of the color and the poppiness, most mm-hmm. people travel with you to get involved into the content and it's less scary. And that's why Stacey Robinson was great because
0: yeah he's, he's graphic great. images
1: really are um, bold and um, uh, you can grapple with them,
3: plus the content, which is pretty serious. Dealing with artists, are, but I don't know in relation to a college, uh, whether you have interaction back and forth I guess that was my follow-up, that's what I was trying to ask. Mm-hmm. Is there a lot of back and forth uh, when you present um, a, a piece at, at your gallery?
0: So Mark, do you mean like if she's getting pushback or there's disagreements with the artists or the administration?
3: A little of both. So um,
1: you, I believe you have to know your audience and you have to understand what best to show so that your audience will use the exhibition um, in a positive way um, and also use it a lot. Um, So that's part of my job is to make sure, as I mentioned, that what we're showing can be integrated integrated into teaching. Um, That's why I'm always looking for um, entry points into say the Latin and Caribbean uh, studies or Asian studies or political science or uh, gender sexuality and women's studies. So it, it, oftentimes I don't show artwork that is just about visual arts. It has to have some other component um, so that other departments on campus can Feel that um, they can utilize it in teaching. And then that brings students who don't necessarily um, aren't necessarily aware of or interested in visual arts, they can see that the visuals or Mm -hmm. just the visual world can um, convey some of the subject matter and topics that they're studying. So they start with usually textual based. Um, written material, but then if they can see it visualize um in an artwork, it's another way to um wrap your brain around and grasp uh subject matter so that um people with different learning styles, maybe someone's not as um adept at working with textual um textual written material, but that the visual grabs them in a way and grabs their brain so that they're like, ah, I had that aha moment. And then they can sympathize both, both the textual and the visual. And I think that's a profound moment. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, especially right now, because we're all working <laughs> oftentimes because of COVID in the digital world mm-hmm. um, and the visual, especially with zoom and things like that, we're looking at visual things all the time and, I Oftentimes, I feel that the public is not well versed in visual literacy and understanding what they're looking at and mm-hmm. saying or thinking. Hmm, am I just going to take this image, you know, at at um, surface level, or there, is there something else going on here? We're all looking at Instagram and Facebook. I mean, Instagram is a visual entity. Um, right. So think about starting to think about what the visuals are saying, or even the COVID maps that you know, these these visuals are relaying information in a really powerful, potent way. And the fact that the Johns Hopkins mask, map is using like round red dots, what is the implication of using red versus, you know, the LS Hospital one is really softer colors and it's not as bold, it doesn't use a map, it's just a graph and it's like light blue for, Capital Region, I think orange for New York City, and then for all of New York State, it's yellow. So, like, how do you, how are you feeling emotionally when you're looking at these two different maps? And wh- what does that mean? What is the implication that the Johns Hopkins map is red and has numbers and is kind of horrifying to look at?
0: Wow. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, you have so many things and uh, to consider. Um, it, you know, it, it's amazing because I've seen many of the exhibitions how great they come out, even in the midst of so many uh, considerations you have to take in. But let me ask you uh, about you, Julie, because we haven't really got into you. So, I, what I'm curious is, um. Do you still practice a, an art medium personally? And, you know, when you were beginning your studies, getting your your bachelor's and your masters, did you know this is what you wanted to do? Kind of curate?
1: Mm. So those
0: are my double that's my double question about okay. you personally.
1: But it's a it's a long answer and it's a good <laughs> question because I am a typical curator, although I think more curators are taking my path. My path was um long, long and winding. Um, as you mentioned, I I got a BFA and an MFA about 10 years apart from each other. I worked at a for-profit gallery in Boston.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, and I just kind of, or a couple of them, I just kind of fell into, um, getting an internship at my first gallery in Boston on Newbury street. And there's, there's a lot of components um, to a for-profit, uh, gallery. So there's the selling. So you have to be really, um, social and, um, be able to inter- interact with people and have conversations and really gauge the, uh, social situation that's, that's, um, happening. So the, uh, interpersonal skills are really important. Then there's the financial, then working with numbers and things like that. And then mm-hmm. there's the putting up the artwork and um, sequencing how an artwork is placed next to another artwork and what the relationship is, and also the spatially, psych- psychologically, um, you know, when you put in a great artwork on like the worst wall in the gallery, something happens where that worst wall becomes the best wall because of the quality of the artwork that you you put um, put on it. Um, mm-hmm. So that's kind of, I did the BFA, went into the for-profit gallery world, then segued into my master's and then moved to New York City, did more for-profit um, art world stuff, all the while making my own artwork. So painting and then eventually, as you mentioned, I was doing video, a lot of video um, and uh, a lot of installation and sometimes a combination of the two and then sometimes sculpture thrown in. But I found that I was doing so much work on a computer. So at work in the gallery and then at home editing video, that was too much. So I just, hmm. at some point about, I want to say 2009 or 10, um, I decided to stop making artwork for the world at large. Um, So it's just too much. And I was also bringing so much of my intellectual component of my MFA to it that it just felt inauthentic. So I just stopped and I started um, sourcing my materials from the New York Times magazine only and making collage based on you know, the formal qualities of artwork, so line, color, texture, form, and was just really reacting with my gut, so none of that intellectual stuff that had come along with my MFA, which I love, um, but was getting in the way of um, some of the formal qualities, um, so I, and I did that for a long time, and then I moved up here in 2013 uh, to get the position here, Mm -hmm. Um, After I was the executive director of AIR Gallery. And it was when I made the decision and actually was saying out loud to people, I'm not making artwork for the world at large. That was a pretty hard thing to do. I bet. But felt like the right thing to do. Um, Also because I had been laid off for two years during Mm -hmm. the last economic downturn. Right. and had applied to over 200 jobs. Oh, wow. I got three bites and eventually ended up at a large gallery and then cr- quickly segued into the not for profit world at AIR Gallery. And that two years really gave me time to reflect on what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And I was really interested more in the we than the eye in the art world and what type of gallery that I wanted to be in, what type of art world I wanted to be in was really important. So my five-year plan was I wanted to be on an academic campus Mm -hmm. where the intellectual endeavor and seeking was important so that that would be a component to how I would curate. So I had had a number of moments where I was able to curate during my for-profit world career. I also was able to curate at AIR um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: for one exhibition, but I knew I wanted curating to be, you know, definitely a part of um, what I did and my job title. And wow. it took it took three years, three and a half years to get to an academic campus. And I think I'm addicted. I'm not going back. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's really been a great experience and I learn more from the students than I think the students do from me. Um, but I am also trying to get back into the art, art making myself. So about two years ago I decided I wanted to relook at what I was doing because the collaging had tapered off and mm-hmm. I went to the Corning Museum and did a weekend-long uh, glass blowing class which I loved, but it's dangerous, it's hot, it's stressful, that's not what I want to do. So last spring, I um, took a quilt making class. I was really interested in that, but you know, we all work really darn hard at Union College. Um, yes, we all want to say yes to the great projects that come our way. Um, so oftentimes, you know we work a lot more than our normal what what one would normally think uh, would happen um yeah I just didn't have time so COVID actually has given me the space to go back to the quilt making uh, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and really look at again color pattern texture line um and really get excited about putting different different colors and textures together um We'll see. It's probably going to be
0: all jinky, but I don't no, care. it's it, it's it's good, and we're just about out of time. And I want to say, Julie, thanks for uh, coming on the show, and we'll have you again. And I want to say that the Capital District is is lucky for having you. Union College is definitely lucky for having you, and we're we're lucky to have you on the show. And and I hope that you'll come back.
1: Oh, definitely. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, I, I, I can talk about this all day long, as you as you can tell, um, because I love the art world, and it's it's my life.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in to Super Art Creator Talk. Spread the word, and we'll catch you on the next episode.